Welcome to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast, where building a thriving real estate investing business has less to do with subway tile and shiplap and everything to do with whether you've laid a solid foundation to support the life of your dreams. I'm your real estate lawyer turned legal educator host, Bonnie Galam. In my years building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, the most important lesson I've learned is that being a successful real estate investor isn't about secret strategies or ninja tactics. It's about doing the basic stuff right and staying laser focused. If you're an ambitious real estate investor or one in the making who's looking to build a real estate portfolio that's secure, streamlined, and creates a life you love, you're in the right place. Each week here on the show, you'll get clear, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you build your real estate business and some tough love along the way to make sure you're not building a house of cards. Let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Gaum, and I'm excited for this week's episode because it kind of hit me like a stroke of lightning over the weekend. Uh, For those of you who may not be Jewish, this week is the holiday of Passover, which commemorates and celebrates the story of Exodus and the story of Moses freeing the Jewish people from slavery under the Egyptians and ultimately bringing them to freedom in the land of Israel. But it fundamentally is a story of freedom. And it got me thinking about what exactly is financial freedom and do we even want it? Because what happened with Moses? He didn't become free of the Egyptians and just go off and, I don't know, sit on his 50-foot yacht. No, quite the the opposite thing happened, and I'm not a biblical scholar, but I know my way around the Exodus stories. We're 31 years deep into having annual satyrs, and so I've heard it my fair share of times. And what happens with Moses? Moses frees the Jewish people, and what's the first thing that happens? He gets the Ten Commandments from God. He is given the fundamentals of what is now the Torah that we as Jewish people live by, but is I think the Ten Commandments are ubiquitous enough that most people, you know, understand that it's it's fundamentally it's law, it's religious law. And so what Moses does is he essentially goes from freedom to law. And then yeah, he walks around the desert for 40 years before actually ending up in Israel, but he Freedom isn't what I think most people think it would be. And it got me thinking, you know, do we really want financial freedom? Is that really what we as real estate investors are trying to achieve? And for me, I'll I'll tell you, no, it made me sit back and think, you know, what am I working towards here? And it's, you know, the gurus out there love to say financial freedom through real estate investing, and it sounds all that great and dandy, but the more I thought about what financial freedom looks like, it's it's not really what I want for my life right now. And I wonder, and let me know, shoot me a DM on Instagram or something, at Bonnie Gallum ESQ, when you hear this at the end of the episode, if what you want is actually financial freedom, or what I'm going to discuss next is that I think we want something else. And that's because when I think of financial freedom, I think of something like retirement. I think of getting checks in the mail and, you know, getting your pension or getting social security or getting, you know, something from your retirement accounts, everything in the mail. And you don't really do a whole lot. I think of golf courses or pickleball, uh, grandkids and boats, or if you live, you know, 
near where I live in South Jersey, I think of going to the casino. I think that's like the ubiquitous, uh, and clearly that's my SAT word of the week, ubiquitous. I, I think of grandparents just going and, you know, playing the slots all day at the casinos in Atlantic City. But fundamentally, what I think about is coasting. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in coasting right now. I'm very much still in growth mode of life. I want to grow my portfolio still. I want to increase my net worth. I want to improve and achieve and yeah, maybe actually work. Is that a dirty thing to say? I like what I do and I like real estate and I like that I've been able to get uh, more freedom and flexibility through real estate investing, but that's it. I don't think I'm really trying to achieve freedom as a full stop period. I just want more freedom. And so, yeah, of course I want to, you know, sit on a boat, but that's not all I want to do. And that's really what I think the gurus sell you on is this lifestyle of doing nothing. And I don't want to do nothing. I, you know, want to retire when I want to retire, but I don't want to do nothing for the next, you know, 50, 60, God willing, years of my life. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen, you know, with your grandparents or your parents as they age, retirement can get really boring. And I'm not a boring person. I'm a fun person. I'm a cool lawyer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, you know, fundamentally what I want is fina- financial flexibility, not financial freedom. I want to, you know, of course, go, you know, catch the basketball games with my kids and go on field trips. And I want to go on vacation without asking someone for approval or seeing how much, you know, PTO I have left on my account. But there's a lot of ways you can get there that's not through real estate investing. And so when you think about real estate investing and financial freedom, I want you to kind of reframe what that may look like into perhaps having it be more financial flexibility. And that's really what I've been working towards, my husband and I have been working towards together over the last decade or so, is really just that financial flexibility. The financial flexibility is what has allowed me to quit my government job and then start my law firm with zero clients. My only client was my husband. And thankfully, we had a few friends who were also real estate investors who trusted me with their work from the get-go. But I didn't you know, start with really any income coming in the bank because, let's face it, my husband wasn't paying me from our businesses. That's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's a, It was going to go in one pocket to go to the next. And so I, it really was a leap of faith. But the the rental income that we have is, you know, it kind of smooths out that roller coaster in a sense. And so we're like, all right, we we have this stability over here. Let's take a risk over there. And I wanted to talk a little bit of what financial flexibility has looked like for us and um, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, because financial freedom, just like, you know, the freedom that Moses got is not really true freedom. It, it comes with responsibility and, you know, freedom from perhaps a nine to five that you're trying to leave doesn't mean freedom from responsibilities with your investing. And um, I see this, I'll call it a misapplication of the term freedom when, when people are really getting started and they're like, oh, it's passive income. 
And I think that is the, the crux of where people get this idea of freedom. It's passive. It just lands in your lap. And I think for any of you who are listening who have at least one rental property, you know that there's no part of real estate investing in that respect, running a real estate investing business, as I like to call it, that's hands off. Someone's got to find the deal. Someone's got to like the deal, offer the deal, analyze the deal, purchase the deal, rehab the deal, place a tenant, uh, manage those tenants. And even if you've got property managers and real estate agents, it, none of this happens without your input in some way. There's nothing passive about it. I'm sick and tired of hearing the word passive income as it relates to rental income. The only thing passive that happens through it is you know, the appreciation and the loan pay down. Those types of things are passive income. But when you talk about the rent that came in, that's not really passive. You had to work to get there. And so that that's rant part number one. But I, I wanted to give you a story that, that happened to us quite recently. Uh, if you follow me over on Instagram, I had shared that, a f- I guess it was about two weeks ago at this point, we went to Disney with the kids. And it was, you know, lovely. It was kind of weird. Um, not just for like COVID reasons. I, they handled COVID, I thought, wonderfully. There was great mask enforcement, all of that good stuff. But there was no parades, really. And there's no shows. When And when you go with a three-year-old and a one-year-old, that's kind of the fun of it. They the, the rides don't really mean a whole lot to them. Although my son was very starstruck when he got to see Buzz Lightyear and Elsa, highlight of his life so far. So that was worth, <laughs> worth all the schlepping around. But while we were there, we actually got notification that a whole bunch of appliances that we had ordered months ago were suddenly ready for delivery. Fantastic news. I mean, of course, we we want these appliances. As you know, everyone knows at this point, the appliances are not quick to come by. And when someone, namely, you know, Home Depot, says things are ready to be delivered, we want them delivered. And so sometimes, let's call it what it is, financial flexibility looks like standing in line for the teacups at Disney World and navigating tenants to get a refrigerator up to the top of the steps because you know that those delivery guys are not interested in hauling up a full-size refrigerator up a three-floor walk-up in Philadelphia. And so that is what sometimes financial flexibility looks like. And I really thought it was the perfect case point because we didn't have to ask anyone for permission to go on this vacation. We just did it. We had to, you know, periodically check our emails. And is that perfect? No. Would I love to give my kids 100% of my attention every time I'm with them? Yes. But if I can do this stuff on the drop of a dime, or if I can do this stuff really without no limit, I can work from anywhere in the world, then that's the trade-off I'm willing to have. If that means that, you know, for eight hours of the day they've got me, but for, you know, 15 minutes while we're in line for, you know, 45 minutes for the teacups. One of us, you know, mom or dad is on the phone navigating, you know, an appliance delivery, then so be it. And I must say, you know, I think a lot of people question how to do self-management from abroad. And I don't want to dive into too much because I have a great, great episode dropping next Tuesday with Becky Nova of Lady Landlords. And she talks a lot about long distance self-management. But it, in my conversation with her, it was like a realization that I had a, a limiting belief around this until very recently that it couldn't be done. That self-management from, you know, Florida or the Dominican Republic, like you'll hear from Becky, 
or even like New Zealand, like we heard from Sarah Weaver back in the uh, few weeks ago, is it's achievable. And, and I think you have to have the groundwork for um, the team in place. I, don't, I think it'll be very hard to build a team remotely. But again, that could be 100% a limiting belief for me. Um, but personally, I happily choose pocketing that extra 10% a month of gross rents over a property manager. And yeah, sometimes that means that we're looking and texting at Appfolio when there's a tenant problem and we're out to dinner. Not perfect, but when you extrapolate that 10% monthly to yearly to like over a decade, I think we'll all survive. I don't, I don't think my kids are going to become traumatized. And maybe you'll message me and say, Bonnie, you're a bad mom, you're a bad parent. Um, for looking at your phone during dinner sometimes when you've got a tenant problem, but I'm willing to live with that shame because I really do find that the trade-off is beautiful. The trade-off has, you know, allowed us to pick and drop off our kids when we want. The trade-off has, you know, allowed us to both become really, you know, self-employed and whether that's self-employed through your real estate investing business or through just another passion project that you may have, that's where I want you to see that it's not so much about the freedom. It doesn't have to be sitting on the you know, the beach with, you know, your proverbial, you know, what in the sand <laughs> and um, a drink in your hand. And don't get me wrong. I want that. And I want a lot of that. But I also really have a lot of passions and things I want to work towards. And so for me, real estate investing is not about financial freedom. It's about the financial flexibility. And if, you know, if this episode resonated with you, I hope you'll leave me a five-star review on the Apple podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen. It really does help other people find the podcast. And hopefully this will give you a little bit of a different perspective. For those of you who are still observing Passover, Hagsameach, and I will speak with you guys more next week on Tuesday when you'll hear that really awesome episode that I have with Becky Nova talking more about long distance self-management from the Dominican. Doesn't that sound nice right about now? It's a little bit chilly here in Philly. And so I will be re-listening to that episode when it drops and living vicariously through Becky. Talk to you more then. If you want to continue the conversation, jump on over to the free Good Bones Real Estate Investing Facebook group. That's it for this episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'll see you here next week, same time, same place. Until then, go out and build the real estate empire of your dreams. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.